Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back, Joy Marie and Courtney, and this is Job Logs. Yes, fresh episodes on the first and the fifteenth, delivering your candid career conversations. If you love us, share the show with a friend or a coworker. And we have a special offer for you guys: complete our audience survey for a chance to win a hundred dollar gift card. So check out joblogs.com/survey this week. And let us know your thoughts so you can get some cash. Yes, but coming up in today's episode, we are delving into brand new terrain for us and chatting with Sofia Pereira, who's the mayor of a small town in California, about running for office. Yeah, so if you're fed up with CNN, NPR, delivering tragedy every week, we're talking about how you can make your way to office or just become more involved in your community. Absolutely. It's a great conversation, so stay tuned. But first, y'all know we like to start every episode with a clock in, check in and see how we're doing professionally, personally, mentally, spiritually. Courtney, how are you? I'm exhausted. Oh, are you? <laughs> I am. Um, but this is part of my clock in is that I have learned to be more honest about how I'm feeling. So yeah. normally I'll be like, oh, I'm fine. It's yeah. great. But no, I'm exhausted. <laughs> and I'm just finding that like it takes energy to like, keep that up like everything is fine Mm. and I find that like just by saying it it like allows me to kind of take the care that I need almost yeah like so by admitting it like even like if I'm just in a bad mood I'm like oh my god I'm exhausted I'm a grouch I can say okay I've established that so now I can either change it or just fully (laughs) embrace it yeah and the people around you can adapt accordingly as well like stop give your space yeah that's true that's a word yeah but I'm counting down oh when this episode is out I will be in Mexico on the beach yes speaking of care like that is self care yeah who whatever part of me was like ooh I should schedule this vacation like right in the middle of my last semester like every time I'm on my calendar I'm like yes homegirl you looking out for me yes. <laughs> like yes she did that that's amazing so for sure cool. what about you what's going on with you yeah I feel like I'm on a similar wave this year this year has been simultaneously probably the most rewarding of my adult life but also the most challenging I feel like I'm just like having to face a lot of growth and personal development Mm -hmm. and just like recognizing my own weaknesses and um, areas I could improve in my life financially, physically, mentally, spiritually. So it's been very, I mean, that process is like, if, I don't know, if like people go to therapy, I think Mm -hmm. it's probably similar where you're just having to face a lot of your stuff. Yeah. But I think it'll be good for me to kind of come out on the other side of that. 
stronger, hopefully. All right. I <laughs> it's mean, been se- season for everything. You have to yeah. have growth to have your your flourish season as well. Yeah, definitely. And I do think that's on the other side of it. I wanted to share something that one of my best friends, Yunori, um, sent to me, which was an interview with Tony Robbins, who's a motivational speaker, entrepreneur, life coach. Um, he was chatting with another young gentlemen and their podcast typically isn't my speed at all it's like Mm. I kind of generally as a rule of thumb don't defer to white men for (laughs) my life advice but I thought it was really good he spoke about um like when you have a lack of motivation that can come from connecting with a purpose that's rooted in yourself so like Mm. a selfish purpose and that in his experience over his lifetime a higher calling and a higher motivation really comes from linking your purpose to something outside of yourself. Ooh, this is interesting because I forget what I was listening to. But they were just talking about how people who are depressed, Mm. other it was actually talking about like grieving, but it was Mm. like the people who like handle traumatic um, events the best are people who use like the... I pronouns mm. less when mm. they're talking about it. Interesting. So because it's that you're shifting your perspective mm. to your point, being less selfish, self-focused, yeah. and looking out, it just raises your optimism. Yeah, I wonder if that's his case because he he underwent quite a bit of trauma in his life as well. But um, I loved that perspective. And then he also talks like from a business and work perspective about focusing on the what and the why, which is similar, like Mm. focusing on what you're doing and why you're doing it versus the how, which are the tactics. And in his experience, he was saying like a lot of people that he encountered get stuck because they're faced with something that's all about the how am I going to make this happen? How am I going to get this done? Yeah. Focus on the what and the why and everything else will fall into place. Like you'll, you'll find the resources you need. You'll attract the support that you need or you'll figure it out or you'll fail a couple times but when you focus so much on the how that's how you can like get stuck so I love that yeah just a little word to keep us keep us motivated but switching gears a little Mm -hmm. bit what is going on in this wonderful world of ours well what's been keeping uh my attention lately I think we were talking a lot about this I think early or late no late last year because i had that course about like media companies mm-hmm. so i was like how facebook might get regulated and all this stuff yes but <laughs> the world has gone mad <laughs> and social media yeah like everything from when snapchat had the domestic violence thing rihanna had to drag them to facebook and this oh like cambridge that was so crazy. wait so what happened with that was it that they had approved an ad I don't know. The yeah, point is, created it. there was content on there that was basically like choose between slapping Rihanna or punching yeah, Chris Brown. Just terrible. Yeah. So she featured that on her accounts, basically dragging them, saying stock plummeted. Right. They lost millions of billions of dollars. Yeah. Um, and all her, the Navy is like running yes. out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so people are done. I've been done. <laughs> I mean, like their internet done. Like they okay, tweeted yes, they were done. Yes. But, um, <laughs> And then, like, even more, well, not even more seriously, but, like, with even more implications is Facebook um, with their issue with Cambridge Analytica, which is a data analytics political firm, Mm -hmm. basically, like, stealing data under the guise Mm. of this. uh, It was, like, basically a personality quiz. And I've seen this Mm. quiz, like, on my feeds called This Is Your Digital Life. 
What? And people taking the quiz, like, gave them access to their personal information, to their friends' personal information. Through Facebook's API. Right. Oh, my and goodness. And they use that to, like, create—they're all about, like, behavior modification. Yeah. So they use that for the Trump campaign. Wow. So— Every politician is like, they need to come like to a hearing, blah, blah, blah. Wow. But all of this has me thinking, what would it take like for all of us to just like purge social media, like people to give up platforms? And how would that impact business? Altogether? Well, that's or like thing. a focused, like if we all focused our efforts on, say, like boycotting Facebook. Maybe. Well, I do feel like no one's going to like quit social media completely. Yeah. Like it's just a part that's of That's not happening. But that's an interesting question. I mean, I'm inclined to, to think, though, that businesses would just shift the model. So it's like right. they would just find another space, like mobile, you know, mm-hmm. connecting with us directly on those apps like WhatsApp or Slack. Like, I just think it would shift, you know? Right. I do, too. I mean, I think the draw of digital is... And I think you kind of need checks on your business Mm -hmm. because... It's a relationship, like yeah. anything else. So if people feel like you're being manipulative, yeah. then that's not a healthy relationship. Yeah. So just like I would exit a personal relationship, I can exit a business a bus- one. Right, right. But if you think about, like, digital is the only place where you can target someone based off, like, and I do, like, Facebook ads for work. So it's, mm-hmm. like, very much like if you are a parent looking for activities yes. and you make a hundred thousand yeah. dollars and you live within five miles like it yeah. gets granular really like that yeah. mm-hmm. so on tv you can't do that yeah make it work yeah but it's just interesting how people are kind of like seeing where that line is yeah and negotiating yeah. that i know i love that you've been like calling them out every <laughs> I'm just waiting for, like, that massive wave of regulation to sweep over and for social media as we know it to completely change. I Well, the, I think it's, like, we forget that, like, it's new. Like, yeah. it's still a very new thing. So, mm-hmm. and that's going to impact your businesses. Mm-hmm. Maybe a good thing for small businesses kind of democratizing things yeah. on an equal playing field. But huh. okay. keep an eye on Zuckerberg. Now we're talking rants, raves, and reviews. This is the section of the show where we talk about things that are helping or hurting our professional lives. Joy, yes, I have one, but I have one for my collective network. (laughs) I'm representing all of my brothers and sisters in work. And I have a rant today. I have a rant about inclement weather warriors and the organizations who champion them. Oh, my God. I'm talking about those of y'all when, so we're on the East Coast, right? And though it's April, for God knows whatever reason, global warming, we have had nor'easters and snowstorms Mm -hmm. and you name it. I'm talking about people who somehow think it's a badge of honor, a sign of commitment (laughs) to brave the elements and go to the office when it is clearly not safe. It is clearly dangerous. And I'm talking about companies who, instead of sending a memo the night before that says, hey, guys, there's a snowstorm coming, be safe, you know our policies, stay home like my company does. People who, you know, (laughs) 
People who, you know, check in, make you feel bad, maybe ping you in the morning, see where you're at, and the trains are running, what time do you think you can make it in? It is just infuriating to me. Because I just, I feel like if you have a choice, and like in 2018, we all need to learn that you do not need to be in my face making eye contact with me for me to be productive at work. Like, err on the side of safety for your workforce and your team and safety for yourself. Why are we out? Like, what are we trying to prove? I know. I know. What are we trying to prove? I know. And I forgot that there were companies that still felt that way about, like, you have to come in. And so, like... (laughs) (laughs) Girl... I don't know how pointed I can be, but it's like, I don't understand it. I I don't don't understand it. it. So when I fall and break my leg coming in to make eye contact and Google eyes with you. That's so crazy And what's going to happen when I sue you for making me come in? That's the crazy part. But they really do have no shame. Like, they do not look out for you. Although, like, if I break my leg on the subway, you're not going to, like, cart me around until it heals. Right. But it's so funny. Even my boyfriend, like, we had our last blizzard. Mm -hmm. He stayed home from work and his boss, like, hit him up on Slack, like, why are you (laughs) not here? But it's like, you look out the window and it was like a snow globe like are you is this like, a for real question a snow globe right and it's like you can go down this path with them but ultimately you have to take care of yourself that's what i'm saying and i guess that's that's what's your line to me. And stand on it like we all know to be real half the time you could make it in you could strap up those hunter boots <laughs> and that raincoat and your layers and go in and it'd be fine but my thing is just like why perpetuate the risk and that culture of like what we're doing here is so unless listen unless you are a firefighter right saving lives emt i just it's not what is the motivation for that mindset girl is it just like to like see you to monitor you that you're working i'm not because we can shoot emails we could be on (laughs) gchat right we could be on the phone Here. The cell lines work. I got electricity. Like, girl, we, we got to do better. Girl, I have, I will go out. This is my rule. I will go out. <laughs> but if I step out there and it's not looking right, I will I'm turn right home. back around. <laughs> I, I did my part. All right, we're really excited for our guest today. Uh, We have Sophia Pereira calling in. She is the mayor of Arcata, California, and community manager for She Should Run, a national organization dedicated to expanding the talent pool of women running for elected office. And Sophia oversees the She Should Run incubator, um, supporting thousands of women across the country as they consider running for office. Sophia, welcome to Job Vlog. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. We imagine your schedule is filled with much more important things (laughs) when we going on. So we appreciate the time. No, it's it's my pleasure. Well, we really wanted to talk to you uh, because we noticed like on social media, there are a lot of grassroots campaigns popping up to support women who are running for office. And as of December, there were 360 women running for Congress, which is, according to Rutgers University, the most women candidates, House candidates ever. So we thought, what better way to talk to someone who has done it, ran for office, and kind of get the lowdown on what it takes? So under 30, mayor. (laughs) Well, I'm 30 now, but when I'm in the city council. Welcome to the club. Right. Yes. (laughs) 
But, you know, we we talk to a lot of different professionals and um, generally career women. And I think this is a space, politics is a space we haven't really touched on the yeah. show before. And, um, you know, we were so excited to connect with you because it is a career path. It's a career tra- trajectory that requires a lot of planning and foresight and network building. So for you, Sophia, what really inspired you to even run for office? How did you get started? Yeah, so I I first uh, became interested in politics and really policy in college. I, I went to college um, in in the town that I now live in, uh, and I was never a political person growing up. Um, I think that's a a thing that people kind of assume being a young person in politics that I must have been interested in politics my entire life. That that's definitely uh, that definitely wasn't the case. Um, but I my eyes were open to what was going on around me in the world, and I remember doing this training where. Uh, we learned all these different ways uh, to be an activist. So we learned like nonviolent direct action and you're having like a police officer, like a pretend police officer yelling in your face. And then I was like, Ooh, that's not my speed. Uh, <laughs> and then I remember the day where we did lobbying and, uh, and I was really fascinated by this, you know, our member of Congress and how uh, we were trying to figure out, how to best appeal to him and what are the issues he cares about. And I became really interested in how our policy gets made and how our policy gets made is uh, mostly by the people that are serving in elected office. So I became really interested in policymaking and what my role can be in that. And that was really, I think, where my skills uh, uh, work really well. And so I got experience working uh, in the state legislature. I worked in um, as a legislative staffer for several years. And so to me, running for city council was a way to take my experience in policymaking and get to be a problem solver at a community level. And being able to see that bigger picture of how all of these different decisions that we make affect people's lives. And so that that's really why I decided to run was because I felt like my experience in policy um, and interest in problem solving was was something that um, I wanted to contribute. That that was my way to give back to my community because we all have a different way of contributing. Real. Yeah. I'm, it's interesting. I'm listening to Making Obama podcast right Who now. Obsessed. And one of the reasons they were saying he shifted from community organizers because they found that every issue they had, they wound up at a politician's doorstep to try mm. and fix it. <laughs> mm. uh, but I wondered, were there any reservations you had about running for office? Because it kind of, it seems like just this daunting position. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I definitely, <laughs> not to scare anyone off, uh, <laughs> but, but, but I, I think it actually is really important as elected officials and as uh, candidates that we speak openly about what it really feels like to run and that it's it's normal, it's okay to have fears and insecurities, right? We um, are putting ourselves out there in a way that feels very vulnerable and no one, no one likes to be criticized. Um, but when you believe in something strong enough, you put yourself out there. Uh, so I definitely had reservations about going from someone that worked behind the scenes and working for elected officials or a candidate to being the candidate. That definitely was a shift that uh, felt big for me. 
Yeah. Yeah. And to that point, you know, were there any huge learning experiences or um, kind of big epiphanies that you had as you made that shift from private citizen to being that elected official? Yeah. So uh, one turning point for me was uh, it was the first time I was doing a, a like candidate profile interview with a local um media outlet. And the entire day leading up to it, I was incredibly nervous. I couldn't focus at work. I mean, it was just, it was overwhelming the anxiety I had about this like one interview and the interview went fine. Um, but it, don- <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was fine. But leading up to when it got posted and all that stuff, I was just so nervous. And it, and it dawned on me that I cannot second guess everything I'm doing. I cannot obsess or spend this much mental energy on one thing because a campaign requires so much more. And so it was a wake up call to me of um, if I'm really committed to doing this, if I'm really committed to serving my community in this way, then I need to be able to get past the fear that people aren't always going to like what I have to say or um, that people are going to maybe want to criticize me, that what I was running for meant more to me than holding on to those fears. That's powerful. Yeah, I love that. Own your voice. Yeah. So looking at this bigger picture, that we want more women to run for office, but why why do you think more women aren't running? Or because there's definitely been a shift um, of more candidates. You know, I think... We as women have been serving in our communities in so many different ways, whether it's through service organizations, through religious groups, through nonprofits, through the business world. And so I think this wasn't a situation where women weren't contributing. Women were giving their all, are giving their all to their communities. And really, politics just seemed like something that other people did. Why do I want to mess with that? (laughs) And I think... We're now in a moment in time where across the political spectrum, women are realizing that their voice needs to be in this in this field, that the policy decisions that are being made at all levels of government need to have women's voices and perspectives at the table. Yeah. And, you know, I really love sort of this digital era we're living in because I think it's creating a platform and giving a a voice to maybe people who hadn't been heard before, um, for good or for bad. But what are maybe some real barriers you've experienced or just some real watchouts or challenges that, you know, our audience should be aware of, people should consider before sort of entering the space of of politics and, and running for office? Yeah. So some of the things that we really focus on with the women in our incubator community uh, is really taking the time to get clear uh, on your vision. And why we really feel that's important is because if you don't have a clear vision about why you want to run for office, all of the other pieces become a lot harder in running a campaign. It's a lot harder to recruit volunteers or to raise money if you don't have a clear vision that people can get behind. So I think that can be um, a real barrier because you can be asked the seemingly simple question of why are you running for office? And if you can't communicate why you want to run for office, why you want to work on these particular issues, what you have to offer, um, it, it makes everything a little bit harder. But so we work on that um, you know, building your networks is a is just really, really important. And I think one of the perceived barriers around networking is that it's this 
insurmountable task or it's what you imagine in DC where you're just going to happy hours yeah. and passing out <laughs> business cards, you know? And really, we all have networks. Yeah. We have people that we work with, that we've gone to school with. I mean, in the social media age now, it's very easy for you to see your reach, your your network. And so I think um, a perceived barrier is that, oh, I'm not as well-connected as I'd like to be. But one of the things that's just really important to work on is map out your network. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then figure out where are the gaps? Are there certain people you want to get connected with and who in your network may help you get there? So um, I think those are some of the ways that you can start to lay the groundwork for a future run. But one other thing I'll I'll just touch on is uh, fundraising is definitely mm. a perceived barrier. Yeah. Um, and it can be a real barrier. Absolutely. Um, but I think sometimes we can psych ourselves out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I can't run because I'm going to have to, you know, do fundraising. I'm not good at fundraising. Uh, Well, I know so many women that are incredible fundraisers for nonprofits and causes they care about. And I think there is that, that weird feeling of fundraising for yourself, but it's really about the values that you're representing. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Yeah, I love that so much of this is um, built on the idea of a network and building an authentic network Mm -hmm. and a mission that people really buy into and believe in. Um, I'm curious, have you seen examples or are there standout characteristics that you see in people who are able to galvanize a network positively and kind of have that contagious effect versus others who, you know, maybe have the reach, but people just don't Mm. buy it in the same way? Is there some sort of characteristic that has just been a common denominator? I think that actually goes back to having a a clear vision. Mm. So having a a story to be able to tell the the story of yourself, right? So not making up something, but who are you as a person? Who are you as a leader? And how are you going to be the best person to implement you know, the policies or to really execute the vision that you have. I, I think when when we look at who are the the leaders, the elected leaders that we may resonate with a lot, a lot of the times it's those that are able to clearly communicate what they're about and what they're going to do when they're in office. Right. Yeah. It's interesting because I see like so many commonalities between this and just leadership yeah. in other fields. Yeah. Because I feel like maybe as women, we're encouraged not so much to articulate why we are the person to do something and just kind of do the work mm. of like, you know, mm-hmm. pushing a cause forward. And so I think just, you know, owning your voice, having a clarity of vision, that's really, that seems to be the differentiator to being able to kind of, of a good leader, really, regardless yeah. of if it's politics or not. Yeah, I know. I'm taking down all these notes from my own <laughs> career. So thank you. <laughs> But speaking of which, are there, 
I'm guessing maybe it's career paths or transferable skills that really make you an impactful politician, like that transfer from that private to public sector. Yeah, I I think uh, kind of to your previous point around how a lot of the qualities in elected leadership really translate to all types of leaders and all types of leadership. Uh, I think really the same applies here from the private to the public sector, because Mm. if you are a good leader, uh, you're more likely to be someone that listens and listens to, you know, and forgive me if I'm using terms that in the private sector aren't as hip, but, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but... It's a safe space. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, listening to your employees, listening to your clients, your customer base, I mean, having the skills to get a, a sense of the landscape that you're operating in, who who's um, who's going to be able to help you to implement the the vision that you have. I mean, a lot of those leadership skills that you would have um, from in the private sector definitely translate to the public sector. All right, so we're inspired. We're gonna, you know, for those of us who are really incited to take action and make change in our community at a local level and maybe potentially run for office. What's that, you know, beyond like kind of having the vision and inspiring a team and building your network, what are the tangible next steps to take when you realize that this is something that you wanted to do? What was the first thing that you did? Well, I think one of the really good things to figure out is what do you want to run for? Because there's over half a million elected offices in this country and gosh, over well over 90% of them are at the local level. So there are lots of different options out there, whether it's, you know, water board or it's school board. It could be a community services district, which like usually does like parks and recreation type things. Um, I mean, anything you could possibly imagine, li- library districts. I mean, so there are so many opportunities out there, city councils, et cetera. So I think Figuring out in your community, you know, what are the issues that you're really excited about and what offices are there out there that you could run for? Who's running, uh, who's currently running for those seats or who's currently holding those offices? So starting to get the like local political landscape is, I think, a really critical piece so that you can understand, okay, there's uh, an open seat coming up and it's an office I'm really interested in, or it, there's an incumbent and I'm going to have to, you know, have a pretty sturdy campaign strategy in order to take this person on, you know, so that way you kind of know what you're preparing for and what you're building a campaign for. You know, I don't, I, running for city council in a, in a city of about 17,000, I didn't have to raise half a million dollars mm. <laughs> to do that, you yeah. know? So I think sometimes figuring out what you want to run for um, is really important. Are there watchouts with that? Because I know like on our show a lot when we talk about private sector, um, you know, and we think about like, just because I love going to events or meeting celebrities doesn't mean I would make the best event planner. Are there watchouts that you noticed similarly with, you know, with with politics and with running for office? Maybe I am very passionate about activism, but does that necessarily translate into me being able to do a good job? in that role? Yeah, I think that's a really interesting question. Um, I, I think, um, you know, as she should run, we're in the space of, you know, explore the possibility of it, mm-hmm. right? Um, 
because I think so often we've shut ourselves out of the possibility for a long time. You know, it's not for me. I think we, um, as women, often may stop ourselves before we can even really consider the possibility. So I would come from a place of, you know, explore it. And then I know lots of women that have explored this and have gone, you know, this, this isn't right for me right now, maybe five to 10 years from now. And that's, and that's okay. Uh, I think it's really figuring out what works for you, what works for your family, what works for your community. Um, does, we don't necessarily need, um, you to run right now if it doesn't feel right to you right now, yeah, you know? Absolutely. Um, and that, because I mean, we're in this, she should run, we're in this for the long haul. We're trying to get 250,000 women running by 2030. So yes. that, <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're looking at that big picture. So it's okay if, if now's not the right time. And actually now is the time for you to start, you know, getting more involved in your community, you know, join a local board or commission and start to understand how your local government works, you know, build your network, build your fundraising skills. So actually, if you're not planning to run right this moment, you actually have a great opportunity to be laying the groundwork and being really thoughtful about what you're preparing for. And out of curiosity for local positions, do you find, is this like a full-time job or something you can manage with like if you're an entrepreneur and do that as well, because I know you split your time between mayor and she should run, but I also assume you're the type of person who doesn't sleep much. <laughs> How do you know? <laughs> so it's really going to depend on the level of office and the community. So for me, it's a part-time job. So I worked full-time when I was running for city council. I worked full-time. And most of the offices out there, you can do this with a full-time job. It's not easy. <laughs> you know, you got to find ways um, to use your network to help support you. I had, you know, friends that made meals while I was campaigning. So I didn't eat, you know, crap food. Uh, so <laughs> Sister circle. Yes, yeah. Sister. <laughs> Yeah, you use your network however you can, you know, so it, it is possible to do it full time. Um, it's just really figuring out the right office. And some elected positions are full time. So mm -hmm. that's another consideration as well. Yeah, I really love just the onus and kind of the charge of getting active, you know, as a private citizen at the local mm -hmm. level. Um, any parting sort of advice for individuals who, you know, maybe they're thinking about just ways they can become more of a contributor into our policies. Maybe they're, they want to run, maybe they don't. But yeah, how? what's like the dream constituent? Like, <laughs> <laughs> how can we be better? Yeah. Oh, you know, I, I think showing up is just so important. Uh, I, I just love when uh, a constituent has come to a city council meeting and gosh, it's their first time and maybe they're a little nervous, but they did their homework and they're there to talk about an issue that they care about, you know, it, or set up a meeting with an elected official, uh, find out more ways uh, to get involved in your community. Uh, you know, it's really with creating change at the local level. Uh, I think what's really great about it is that you can directly make an impact where you live you live next to your or near your elected officials that represent you. And as an elected official, I get to see the impact of my work every day. So as a citizen, you have this incredible opportunity to organize your neighbors around something that you care about and show up to your city council meetings. You can write letters to the editor. 
get involved with a, an organization that's working on a cause you believe in. There's a lot you can do at the local level. Yeah, I think in this last year, I really began to see the importance of not just waiting for elections, but really taking an active role throughout the year as well. Absolutely. And before we let you go, I wanted to learn just a little bit more about She Should Run and kind of what resources are available um, through the organization for the for our listeners, because I want all of our listeners yes. to, to run. Yeah. They're amazing women and men, too. Yeah, yes. some great men, too. <laughs> um, so, yeah, what um, resources are available with She Should Run? Yeah, so our incubator has online courses that cover a lot of what, what we've actually talked about today. We also have a fabulous uh, Facebook community of thousands of women where you can get peer support and guidance, where you can really talk through, you know, the different scenarios that you're kind of working with as you're planning a run for office. We have, you know, monthly uh, office hour calls where we have, you know, guest speakers, uh, elected women and candidates sharing their experience uh, from the campaign trail. And we just launched uh, a great new tool called Pinpoint, uh, which is an interactive tool where you can find uh, resources in your own community that will help you on your path to elected office. Because we know there's hundreds, if not thousands, of incredible organizations at the local level across this country. And so we've created a crowdsourcing tool so that you can see what's happening uh, in your own community, how you can get tapped into your local resources. And if you know of local resources, you you can share those now with other women. That's amazing. Yeah, so you guys definitely check it out. Um, and what's that website for our listeners? Uh, go to sheshouldrun.org. Perfect. You know, when we were talking earlier, and I mentioned that I had interned on the Hill um, during college. And That's the right. thing that struck me the most about it was just how the legislators just did not reflect the country. Like, it was very, mm-hmm. like, old, old, old <laughs> white yeah. So I think this is such a great effort. So, so our government should reflect, yeah. you know, our country. Absolutely. So definitely encourage everyone to check it out if they're curious. And Sophia, if our listeners kind of want to reach out to you and follow along with your work, um, where are you on the web? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Ms. MS uh, Sophia Pereira. Amazing. Thank you, Sophia. This has been phenomenal. Thank you. Now it's time for Ask Job Logs. This is the segment of the show where we address your career and life questions. As always, you can hit us up at joblogs.com slash askjoblogs or give us a call at 929-324-1090. All right. So we have a question for today. It says, should I tell my employer about my side hustles? I have a great nine to five with a great company that has awesome benefits, including plenty of PTO, but to make some additional income, I have a couple of side hustles in the same industry. I usually do my side gigs after work, but recently one of them needed three full days of my time, so I took time off the nine to five to get the job done. I could see this happening again in the future, and I could also see my current employer finding out about my work through the grapevine. So the question is, should I let my main employer know in advance that I am working outside of my role with them, or should I just let sleeping dogs lie in the event that my side gig is not a big deal with them? Hmm. This is tricky. This is tricky. We're both side hustlers. Yeah, so I air 
on the side of caution. Mm-hmm. For my, although I do get jealous of you a little bit because you tell more of your mm-hmm. coworkers about it, um, and I part of me kind of wants to share, but also I kind of like the cleanness of like separation. Yeah, so I keep it at like some of my coworkers know I have a podcast, but I don't like talk about it regularly. Yeah. Because it just, it's like, I don't want the headache. I don't want to, like, deal with HR yeah. and the publicist and, like, what would happen if I talked about it here. Yeah. So I like separation. I also don't trust these people <laughs> just historically with yeah. employers. I just feel like this is, like, the same thing as, like, telling someone, like, I always tell people, don't tell people, like, you're looking for a job. Like, right. some of my right. friends are like, oh, should I tell them that? I no, No, because they will act shady. They will. And different. Well, the thing here is this person is doing side gigs in their industry. Like, mm. our side hustle isn't really related to the work that we True. do. Um, and also, I've been at my company four and a half years, so I've had different phases. Like, when I first started, it mm. was very low-key, except maybe with key teams or if they knew I did a podcast, it was, like, very broad strokes. And I also worked in, you know, a division that is small business. So, like, they loved that employees were also entrepreneurs. Right. So it has so to I make can, sense. I can see it, like, adding to, like, your well-roundedness exactly. as an employee. But I do feel like you're in tricky territory when you're talking I about, am. oh, I'm taking three days off. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't tell them that. Yes. That, to me, was, like... Because the thing, this is what you have to realize. The thing that's going to be in the back of anybody's head when you tell them that you're doing anything or have a life outside of mm-hmm. work is selfishly how that's going to impact the work that right. you do there. If it's going to take time away, if it's going to take your mental focus away from the job at hand. And even though I tell people in the back of my head, I'm very well aware that um, that is forever part of my brand. Like people, mm-hmm. some people you meet will just be like, she's not as committed to the mm-hmm. day job as maybe someone else is who doesn't right. have stuff outside going on. So Right. And I think like as opposed to like keeping it vague as to why you're taking time off, it's just like less questions. So they'll yeah. be like, okay, fine, you're taking off. But then all of a sudden, if you're saying, oh, I'm taking off to work on this project, then they're like, okay, how many days is she taking off? Right. Let then me count up the hours. Yep. How yep. is this affecting? So, girl, they're going to be telling, oh, she was gone a whole week, I think, mm-hmm. or she hadn't turned in this or that. So I would, I would say um, the good thing about sharing things that you do outside is that it gives you connection points yeah. with others. So I would maybe broadly say, yeah, you know, I've had experience doing a little bit of freelance marketing work yeah. to here or there casually. Like I wouldn't like set up a meeting and talk about it. Yeah, I but, would keep it like big picture. Yeah. I mean, I mean, listen, I keep details about my PTO <laughs> very minimal. <laughs> listen, because you're not going to like count my hours about what I'm doing. Because, listen, I might need a sick day, forget that I wasn't sick. I don't need to keep up with the lies. (laughs) It's definitely a style preference and a level of comfort. But just know that with both approaches, like, you're going to get people treating you kind of a little differently based on that. So, good luck. Let us know what you end up doing. Mm Thanks so much for tuning in, you guys. Yes. Thank you to Mayor Sophia Pereira for joining us and imparting all of that wisdom. Yes. I hope you guys run. Mm -hmm. Y'all are the kind of people I want to vote for. Let us know if this episode inspires you to run for office. So 20 years from now, we could be like, did that. Okay. (laughs) If you love the show, be sure to share it with a friend. Share it with your bestie at work. 
Yes, you can connect with us around the web as usual at jawbox or jawbox.com. I'm Cleave Out Loud around the web. I'm kind of Hamas Parker, but <laughs> I got to take a break, y'all. I'm not even going to lie. Really? <laughs> yeah, a little um, bit, a little bit. We're going to talk about more of that next episode. See ya. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 